0: Peace, peace, and welcome. We're glad you're here. This is Cook on Monday Morning. I am your host, Devon Cook. And at Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. Today's guest, Prosper Wampa, is a Nigerian-American tech leader. Uh, He sold several companies for millions of dollars, and he's now the CEO of Avenue a training software for large enterprise clients. Uh, before we get into the story, here is advice and the values that drive work. I want to share a few updates. Uh, first, I just want to say a thank you to our loyal listeners. And I'd like to hear from you. Please send me an email, uh, info at steveoncook.com. We should find the time to talk. I'd love to hear more about what you enjoy about the podcast. Also, if you have any questions, you'd like me to answer during the podcast, send me a message and we can read those off during the show. i also like to thank our recent YouTube subscribers, Marianne, Strictly Richie, Nosa Ayer, and Eli Katz. Thank you. Um, i also like to thank Sir Coffee, who made a comment um, on Apple and he said, the cocoa Monday Morning Podcast gives me a refreshing take on the first day of the week, presenting interesting conversations with a plethora of guests consisting of leaders from different backgrounds, such as community, literature, tech, politics, and business. Cook is very engaging as the podcast discusses current events in today's society, not only in the Bay Area, but around the world. It's creating a space for the listener to learn about each guest and their journey to where they are now, as well as the obstacles they've dealt with. Also, providing insights in different approaches for business and how to be impactful in our own life and the lives of those around us. I'd like to thank Sir Coffee. I'd like to thank our recent YouTube subscribers. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, please do what they've done. Uh, support by subscribing on YouTube, rating and reviewing the podcast via audio, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you value the content, please take a minute to do that. Finally, some of you have noticed that we've been releasing podcasts three times a week. Starting today with my discussion with Prosper, we're going back to just Monday morning. This allows me and my small team to focus on growing each podcast, providing supplemental write ups to pull out key lessons from the guests. Um, So if you're interested in, getting insights on those lessons, then please subscribe to the newsletter, which you can do on my website, stevoncook.com. And without further ado, here is my discussion with Prosper.
1: Prosper, how do you pronounce your last name? it's pronounced Wamba. The, the K and the N are silent, so Wamba. Wamba? Yeah, and if you're advanced, there's a, there's a gray sound with the, with the K-P. But if you're not like most Americans in terms of African languages, then you can just Wampa. Okay, yeah. cool, <laughs> cool.
0: Prosper Wampa is like the real version of Wakanda. And uh, and we're going to get into his story, his upbringing, and the lesson he's learned along the way as he's
1: been building his tech
0: companies. Welcome. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: I am well. Uh, the kids are situated. Uh, they're all in, in various classes, so I can do my thing yeah yeah you're a family uh, man how many kids do you uh, have a corona situation that makes it so that you're now working with the kids so i got two um jesse uh and Pearl. that are amazing kids
0: i had the good fortune of meeting both of them and and jesse asked a question at our macy's event with jerry rice
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> took a lot of courage for him <laughs> so where'd you grow up prosper i spent most of my younger years in nigeria Back in in the southeast, um, and uh, moved to the states for high school. How did you hear about coming into the states? But my family back home was not not definitely not on the rich side of <laughs> of things, and um, it turns out my dad my dad's brother uh, was able to move out of uh, out of Nigeria to New York uh, right when I was born. And so somehow uh, there was a connection that he had for me, particularly growing up back home. I went to the free schools and I went to, um, you know, whatever schools my parents could afford, which was like, you know, very, very cheap or very free until my uncle, actually really cool guy. He decided I was going to go to private school. He started sending money home to my family to send me to private school. Um, you know, private school back where I grew up is super ghetto. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not necessarily what you might expect. Boarding school, but uh, really tough situation. There are all kinds of <clears throat> do you know what? What um, be familiar with corporal punishment? Yes, that's when they hit you with rulers and that's whatnot. Hit you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ouch. there's this thing where. Uh, the people who come before you, like the seniors, will punish you just to make sure that you are uh, put in check. Right? If you're doing well in school, or if you're, you know, if you think you're all that, you get knocked on a few pegs. <laughs> um, or they send you to do their work, wash their clothes for them. Or um, on top of that, just the the environment, um, which I know a lot of people are dealing with now. Um, It was just really tough. Um, Imagine trying to study with no lights, right? Um, Every day you're supposed to study and prepare for school, do your homework, but there's no power. So what are you going to do? You got to, you know, turn on some kerosene lamps and, you know, hang out with the mosquitoes. Give yourself a few slaps while you're getting your study on, you know, Mm. to kill the mosquitoes. Mm. you know that's that's what life was like back you know at at the private school that i went to (laughs) um but it was you know it was what was available
0: that's interesting so so the private school it was a boarding school and it wasn't it didn't have like a lot of infrastructure around electricity but it Mm -hmm. was when you were there because that sounds rough you know (laughs) when you were there How were you thinking about it? Were you thinking about it like, I'm so happy to be here? Or you're like, I want to go home. Why'd they send me here? Like, what was your...
1: Um, I was excited about going to school and learning. So it was only after the fact that I understood that that those circumstances were not ideal. (laughs) So in the moment, that was normal, you know, like, and so you just doubt, you know, you just, Thought about what you needed to do. My parents were really clear about being successful in school and and working hard and being focused and not going after you know anybody who has ideas to distract you, right? Like chasing girls. I didn't have never had a girlfriend until I moved to the states. It just wasn't a thing, right? So there's a thing about you know perception. It's all it's all relative, right? so back then i i didn't think of it as a terrible situation and i still don't i think that going through that made me who i am gave me a lot of the character that i have a lot of resilience a lot of the ability to just see past what's happening in the moment and trudge on if anybody knows me they know i, I know how to trudge on through whatever is happening
0: yeah, I actually want to get into some of that um, perspective as we're kind of all contending with this pandemic. One of the one of the things I've always appreciated about you, not, I mean, not only your your generosity, but how unassuming you are. Like you, the richest dude I know. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you say that? I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, with the success dude. you've had in, in business, uh, okay. you wouldn't necessarily see that success like when you just kind of meet you because that's not you're not like uh you don't promote it you just kind of get the work done you know you're in boarding school you go to high school in the states where did you land in the states yeah
1: so um i ended up getting a student visa got really lucky and ended up in new york uh to finish up high school and uh I went to where in new york oh go ahead bronx okay. bronx i went to this uh uh, high school in the inner city, and, you know, it was a different kind of normal. Again, back when I think about it um, later, you know, it was pretty wild. We were, you know, getting checked at the door at 7 a.m. for guns, like metal detectors. Oh, you went to a... Sure.
0: You went to a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. it, was,
1: it was pretty... Uh, <laughs> I thought you went to some type
0: of... yo. Know, all this time, I thought you went to some type of real high-end like prep school in the, in the nope. States. You were in the hood. It was detector. straight up.
1: Okay, yep. continue. Yep. Metal detector. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. For me, I was used to coming from an environment back home in Nigeria where if you didn't respect your teachers, for example, you know, you know they would whoop your butt, right? Um, you had to call your teacher uncle and sir and auntie and ma'am, you know. But here I am, you know, kids are wearing hats in school, and the teachers are begging them to take them off, and you know they're strolling around the hallway and causing trouble, you know, and for me its it just was strange um, and so i just I just stayed out of everybody's way um, and only gravitated towards people who were more like me so a really good friend of mine, uh, for example, uh, Jude. If you meet him, is super quiet dude. Um, he's a doctor now and uh, completely unassuming. That's the kind of guy I, you know, I <clears throat> ended up spending most of my time with because he's very low key. Just wants to do his work. Um, meanwhile, all the stuff was going on around me. The the day that I realized that the school was super ghetto. Um, I hope this doesn't uh, <laughs> cause trouble. But it was the day... We haven't named the school. We haven't said the school <laughs> no, 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 no no, go. name. Just... Uh, but I mean, the school... The, the, some of my teachers were really great. Um, but the, the day I realized the school was super ghetto was when this one girl who was pregnant in school was sitting next to me and um, asked me out. For whatever reason, (laughs) I was not, you know, again, when I think back about it, that's when I start to realize how wild this is. But in the moment, I was like, wait, you're pregnant and you want to do what? (laughs) It wasn't even, let's go out. It was like straight up, you know, just, uh, Mm. and I just was not used to that. I was about 15. Mm -hmm. and she must have been the same age or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, you know, coming from where I came from, number one, you know, it's just very strange. And number two, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be focused, not trying to mess around, definitely not trying to have kids in that moment. Uh, or mess around with someone who does have kids mm-hmm. my mama would beat my it, just beat me. <laughs> she would just she would just kill me
2: wow. uh
1: so yeah i mean it was uh it was really interesting things now are more crazy i think than they were back then mm. um but yeah it was an interesting experience so it was easy for me to look like a good kid uh in an environment like that and i think in a lot of ways, that helped me, um, like give me that extra boost of confidence. Because just doing your homework in that school was like, what this kid, did, <laughs> this kid mm. did his homework? What mm. <laughs> um, low bar? Yeah, and so for me, it, it allowed me to just keep pushing on, and um, uh, gave me that confidence to just keep going to the next thing
0: that juxtaposition is interesting because you know like you you're, you're talking about a place initially where um, there wasn't electricity and uh and it sounds like it was you know it was a lot of extreme poverty and then you're going into a community that's like a lot of dysfunction
2: a lot, yeah. of, com-
0: a lot of community dysfunction and uh and people
1: that and- aren't go ahead and by the way i want to, i want to set the record straight when i say there's no electricity this is a very common thing in nigeria
2: mm-hmm.
1: there is power there is like electricity the infrastructure is there but it's not close to consistent so like you know you might have power for 2 hours in the day and then the rest of the day there's nothing right so i want i just want to make sure that that's that's clear in terms of
0: yeah no i appreciate that context yeah what so so, you are in the Bronx, attending a public school, and then you hear about Williams College,
1: yeah, um, how'd that happen so so, yeah, I you know, as part of me trying to be you know keep my head down, um, I uh, <clears throat> associated with the people who i I saw trying to do the same thing, which became, you know, which made it so that um, the teachers I ended up uh, spending more time with were the ones who really wanted to help. Um, I gravitated more to those, those kinds of teachers, the ones who wanted to take the extra time to, you know, help me keep pushing forward. And so um, at some point, uh, my gu- uh, guidance counselor uh referred me to and and me and jude by the way jude is another guy you should talk to um they referred us to this one guy named phil smith Yeah, he's this white dude who's really cool Um, his whole mission was to go into inner city schools and look for kids who were at the top of the class or you know uh, unable to find these opportunities on their own and help them uh, get into Williams and that's literally what he did he and he sat us down he said hey how would you like to check out Williams said, Williams, sure um, so he flew us out to check it out and he showed us how to apply and um, I, I know that guy to this day. I don't know if you ever met him but
0: really no guy. Phil Phil Smith. Phil
1: Smith yeah
0: shout out to Phil He's Smith missions yeah. Admissions guy at Williams okay okay yeah, so I, I have Phil Smith partially to thank for wh- how I met you. <laughs> <laughs> so we we didn't get yeah. into your story about, and I, well, I just happened to have heard it from you before, about how you fell in love with computers, which yeah. ended up kind of being the focus of your career. You you were a software engineer, started companies, so companies, which we'll get into shortly. But um, how did that start?
1: Yeah, so uh, back in the Bronx when I was going to school, Uh, One of the things that I really enjoyed to do was um, sneak off into Fordham University. They had a program where they allowed uh, students to get a library card and be able to attend and actually study in Fordham University. And they had computers. And that was my first experience of computers. I was, what, like 16 by then? And so, but I didn't know what to do with computers. I would just go in and browse the internet and read and do my homework. Uh, but I just really liked uh, just trying to use, you know, and learn uh, and, and study, you know, what computers were, were all about. That was my first exposure. Then I went to Williams, and that was where I took my first computer science course, uh, which was... Mm, A painful experience to say the least. It was uh, just from from the point of view of being someone who's usually succeeded in school. Um, I did really well. I was like top three at Columbus. Um, And then I got to Williams. Everything else was fine. Like math was great, chemistry, all that. I was actually, by the way, supposed to be pre-med like a lot of other immigrants uh, from Nigeria, that was say, that's very Nigerian, <laughs> <laughs> That was all my parents wanted to so say: uh-huh. be a doctor. There's nothing else you can do. And so I, I learned about this computer science course, and I got excited because I, I, you know, I just love the idea of computers. Um, and I took that first course. It was a robotics course. And I did my worst ever um, at Williams. It was like a C plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my, that was my norm.
0: But <laughs> it,
1: <laughs> 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 so I, I get in there and I, I'm just struggling because you get all these all these white kids who are just clicking clacking away. Mm. at the computer and i you know i hadn't officially learned how to type so i'm just typing Mm. one finger at a time and and the concepts were so foreign to me so i would just like um come to class and that would be like one percent i would only get one percent of the way through understanding what the heck was going on Mm. um and so i would go back to my teacher After class, I was always in office hours. I was always at the computer lab. I was always, you know, trying to figure things out. But after I did that class, I realized that I actually loved it. I loved the process of building stuff, building software. um, And wanted more, so I went back in. And and again and again, I did, you know, the next course. uh, My favorite, you know, the teacher who taught me that, that first class long story short i ended up taking a a really advanced course with her Mm -hmm. uh, at williams before i graduated uh, advanced robotics Mm -hmm. um and i ended up getting a really good grade it was like an a plus or something i remember her like talking to me she did the first class and the last class (laughs) (laughs) and she was really (laughs) impressed by the gap uh that I, i leaped over to be able to do well in the class um but i remember just many moments the look i would get um being the one black dude who's just you know i'm sure i'm sure it was because i i you know of how i looked i don't know but you, know, you, you ever get that look from a teacher who's like yeah i'm, I'm gonna spend this time with you but i don't know Mm. Mm. god help you man but it was just like slowly trudging on so it was your your
0: most challenging academic experience initially but that drew you toward it you know one, one of the things that i'm kind of picking up from your story um i kind of want to ask about your relationship to to black americans and like what that was like for you, sort of coming over as a, as an immigrant, and how that shifted or um, evolved while you were at Williams. But uh, yeah. hearing hearing your upbringing, it sounds like you came over here. You can correct me if this is wrong. It sounds like you came over here like on a mission. Like I'm here for school. You know, like that's and and for and it's really impressive that as a child, an adolescent, you maintain that focus. It sounds like culturally it was, it was just sort of expected and kind of instilled in you. But you, you are here in the states. Are your parents still in Nigeria?
1: Uh, yeah. So my dad is still back home. My mom passed, unfortunately, oh, but um, sorry. Yeah, but sorry. my dad is. You know, he visits. Uh, he prefers staying back home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and so throughout, throughout high school, like,
0: were they? Were they? They, they were, were back th- home. Okay. So you're away from your parents, you're
1: here for school, you go to Williams. And one of the big motivators is just wanting to be able to help, you know, because that's actually why I came here. When When you're moving to the United States, especially if you're not like a toddler, okay, and you're moving by yourself, the expectation is that you're sending money home ASAP. Otherwise, you're just, a failure (laughs) that's Mm. just how it is you know Mm. and so I would hear stories of people who would move and and just forget you know and just like stay stay in the states and you know try to survive because it's hard enough trying to survive right let alone you know send money home so uh, part of my upbringing uh, and and my own determination my brother has you know works the same way as well is you know to be able to you know send money back to support you know support my family that that drove me um, in addition to the discipline I already learned
0: and and that relationship to um black americans like how
1: how did you think about yeah. that sort of like you
0: know college years mm-hmm.
1: yeah, like my experience has been that we've had um like Africans coming into the states and and uh, Black Americans born here, um, we have a lot of similar like experiences. I mean, I don't. I, I read some in some places that you know somehow we're different. I don't think we are. I think it, it's it's a, a different kind of economic difficulty. Uh, I would say that you know growing up in Nigeria. You're surrounded by poverty and, oh, not everybody, of course, but I was. And, um, and you look around you, you see people who are not as educated and don't know the way forward and don't have a lot of things they're doing. Um, for me, my experience, when I match that up with a lot of the stories I've heard, my friends who are, are African-Americans who grew up here, very similar like you're growing up your parents didn't finish school you you know they don't know how to show you the way forward you just have to stumble through it wow. um and when you're driven you, you're finding the way yourself <laughs> right mm-hmm. um i share that with a lot of you know my friends who are you know who are uh, uh, black americans um and so i think I, I, that's where i that's how i i think about it anyway I think we have a lot of shared experiences the The difference i think is perhaps um having uh i think being coming from Nigeria one of the things that really made me go just super crazy on uh overdrive mode is Going from a place where there's not a lot of opportunity to America where, you know, even though it's, it's harder to reach that opportunity as a Black person, at least you can see it, mm-hmm. right? Like, at least there are some paths, you know, that you can take. Like, going to Williams, I would have never been able to go to a school like Williams back home. There are schools like that, but that would have never been a thing unless my parents knew somebody. Mm -hmm. Whereas here in the US, like at least it's, you know, there, there are things if you're lucky, um, that can get you into the right position. So it's a really intricate relationship, uh, that you, that you mentioned that, uh, we could probably spend three days talking about it, just just yeah. dissecting.
0: Yeah, I do want to come back to it because uh, I know this is I know this like perception and elevating the black community, you know, uh, in America, uh, specifically is something that you care a lot about, uh, yeah. and I'm sure you want to do it in other places. But I kind of want to get started on your your business experience because yeah. that is like really impressive, which you wouldn't say. I'm I'm a big it up. <laughs> <I'll> celebrate <laughs> you a little bit while, while we on the yeah, <laughs> line yeah, together. Yeah, but um, the, one of the reasons I brought up this this focus is because you know it, it is really required when you step into anything that's sort of entrepreneurial, right? Like you come into Williams and and tech is the tech world, you know you' you're, you're like you're still a relatively young man, right? Like the tech world is like the coding emphasis is computer science emphasis. Mm-hmm. wasn't at the time what it is today. Right. Right. And, but we hear about the Steve Jobs of the world, the Bill Gates of the world, like they're sort of all public figures. Um, Facebook hadn't started, like, I, I don't think when you uh, were in college, maybe towards the tail end of college or something like started. that. started, yeah. At That's the end of, of it. Mm-hmm. So, but the whole wave of like this software tech boom, maybe there was like a boom and bust late 90s or whatever, but it's it's not common to pursue computer science and right. so you you do that at williams and then soon after college you start your first company is that correct
1: it was right after college okay. finished.
0: what was that initial business venture
1: the first very first venture i did was, was a stupid site called hotcampusparties.com <laughs> <Nice>. i
2: literally
1: <laughs> bought that domain and uh And the brilliant idea I had was, you know, because I I always heard about all these cool parties at Williams that only the cool people can go to. And there were, there were but, no cool parties at
0: Williams. <laughs> <but> Percy, <proceed. laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, um anyways, I, I I figure, hey, you know why not make at the time Facebook was starting to be popular and I wanted to make a site where uh, college kids to find out about, about parties happening on their campus or nearby. Um, I had attended a couple, a couple parties at other campuses as well, like Amherst and, you know, Harvard. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Hey, it'd be cool for, you know, kids to be able to just learn about, these events and check them out. Um, so that was the site and we launched and got about 2,000 users to visit it from Williams mm. and uh, ended up uh, realizing that, that traffic didn't really stick. It called iBenster, which was kind of a more general form of the same thing. So social calendar, it, 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 it's basically Facebook events, right? Mm. Um, and, This is gonna be an interesting one because my company did have a little bit of back and forth between Facebook and and us back then. uh, Mm. Because when we built that, (coughs) Facebook did not have events. Um, Facebook was just one face picture Mm. and you could um, upload that face picture and that's it. Um, But uh, so we, anyway, we launched that site and became really popular um grew pretty quickly to about half a million users within like three weeks or something. Wow. Um, yeah, we did some growth hacking, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, but at any rate, that got us into a conversation with Mark Zuckerberg. We went to chat about whether we could work together. And it turns out we couldn't. Uh, Facebook ended up building Facebook events a few weeks after that. And some other things. There's there's some really interesting history there. Okay. Sounds like some um, rap beef. It sounds like yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds I like mean, Biggie Tupac. It sounds like they uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say any of this. This is all Stevon Cook talking about Prosper. Facebook stole
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 the concept behind Prosper's initial company. All right, but, but all right, wait, it's, so, it, so. It, how did that feel? It, how did that
1: huh if you i'll just wrap it up real quick if you look at what's happening with um snap right now Mm -hmm. um you know facebook is basically systematically building a lot of the same um functionalities um i I won't say more but uh yeah there is there was a lot of interesting
0: so they 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 started stealing with you and they still stealing now (laughs) <laughs> they're doing their thing. They're doing it. By the way, if you okay, see I this, wouldn't. if 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 you're if you're watching this on Facebook, <laughs> like it, share it. Oh my god! <laughs> if you like this, um, on instagram <laughs> uh, They either buy you or steal from you. I guess. Get with
1: I them. mean, uh, they're very. I give it to them. They they were very innovative. They were really fast, and uh, they were able to raise a lot of money. It, we were about, you know, we had four million users. They had twelve million users. Mm. Um, they were they offered, you know, someone offered to buy them out, and many a couple times, right? Yahoo, and then someone else. They're like, "Nah, we got this." Um, but we ended up getting bought out when we got offered that acquisition uh, because we realized that, you know, Facebook was way ahead of the game. Mm. Uh, we got a hand at them; they execute really well. They did back then, and they still do. So, so you you sold that. Uh, company. I'm not hating on on that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I sold that company. It was a social network back then. Uh, actually, we were profitable, which was really, really strange back then. Uh, and if you remember, uh, everybody was getting on Facebook for not being profitable, right? They would grow and grow and right. grow. And grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't make a single dollar in revenue. And, you know, for us, we went a slightly different direction and we realized we weren't getting quite as fast of a steep growth as they are, because there aren't that many social networks that can exist uh, mm-hmm. at the same time back then. Um, anyway, so we went the route of building games on our platform mm-hmm. uh way before Facebook platform games. Ah, kind of that's thing. another thing there. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not going to go into it, but it ended up getting acquired, a successful exit. Can you share what it was so for? Yeah, it was a couple million mil uh, back then. It wasn't okay. uh, a big number, but for us as kids, we're like, you know... A couple of mil? This, oh, no, wait, this wait, wait, wait. is the... <laughs> That's what I'm saying, and we're we're not an fu money yet, so let's keep right. going. <laughs> it's, a few, it's
0: not that fu money. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm only laughing uh, because um, because uh, I was making a joke earlier about you being the richest man I know, and nobody wow. knowing, but like the, you know, the acquisitions in your in your businesses, right? Because yeah. I think having gotten to know you, I think you really care about. Uh, like how, how things work and I know you think I know you're very good with your money and investments but uh, that's inspiring that's hella inspiring like how old are you when you this is this is before you leave college
1: yeah this is right after college so
0: 24
1: 23 um, I was like I was about 20 23 yeah when this happened
0: okay so 23 um, 4 million users exit at a few mil. It's not that FU money, it's just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> but like is I mean that was like your I mean that's a, that's a million dollar deal. Like how did that Yeah. How
1: did that feel? It felt it felt good. Um that was uh you know our our hard work was recognized, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Um we wanted to we we had our sights set for bigger things. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, I spent sent some money home um, and um, I wanted more, I guess. Um like I have I have a I've always had this vision of learning how to build wealth so that I can go back home and teach my people had to do it uh, when I got there i it just kept on going i I think one one strange thing about finding some level of success is that when you get there <clears throat> when you get there, you always tend to see what what else you can get right like it's almost like learning about you know the universe or when you start to learn about anything, you know, become an expert, you, you notice more what you don't know than what you do know, right? Um, so, you know, while I, I do spend some time, you know, I can, you know, support myself a little bit, you know, whatever. But I, I think you know, if I can achieve this, well, what
0: else can I can I achieve? I actually have Good heard comment. that with a similar thing with other founders that I've spoken to that have had um, this. This, is, this was your only acquisition, I know, and I want to get into some of those. But that you know, people they sell companies, and you know, they don't really retire. A lot of people that I've met, <laughs> they they kind of go out and do something else. So mm-hmm. you exit the events, um, social networking Which, business, yeah. and yep. then what's your next?
1: major venture uh end up building peanut labs which was focused on helping other social networks at the time monetize so uh this was the age of hot or not i don't know if you're familiar with that it's like tinder is hot or not on steroids right Mm -hmm. with hot or not you just Mm -hmm. i like you or i don't like you Mm -hmm. and if there's a match you could um send them a virtual flower that's it Mm -hmm. But with Tinder, you just go straight up, <laughs> straight to
0: business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't you won't find either of us on the
1: dating app. But uh, <laughs> right. exactly, with the technology. You just <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's correct. But yeah, we helped. How or not make like a few million dollars? So it was pretty mm. cool. Um, but what we did was enabled site like sites like that, including, by the way, Facebook. So when Facebook finally launched their credit system, uh, you know they tapped us to build the monetization engine for users who couldn't pay. So if you had money, you could just pay a dollar or whatever, and get these for credits, and then go play games. But if you didn't want to spend that money, you came to Peanut Labs through different channels and partners, and and then we would give you a survey to take. You take that survey. Our clients pay us 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. We Mm -hmm. split that money with Facebook, and everybody's happy. The user does get peanuts, hence the name Peanut Labs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And peanuts is just really a virtual currency Mm -hmm. uh, that became really popular back then. Um, It's one of the things we launched before Facebook. Uh, In our network, we had a, a virtual currency called peanuts. Uh, right. back then the, the yeah. network that we sold uh and so that's where the name came from peanuts is virtual money right, right. Okay. and so yes yeah, so peanut labs uh scaled pretty quickly uh, when we got acquired we had about 80 people and the acquisition amount there it was undisclosed but it's uh, over 30 million mm-hmm. um and uh, it was a, definitely a step function in terms of, you know, like a successful exit as well. And the, the year that it happened was yeah, it was a remarkable year for me. That's the same year I got married and um, a bunch of other things happened. But uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It. So you're starting to get a little more solidified. You, you, you don't have any kids yet, but you, you get married. You have your, your next exit.
1: I signed that deal right before my wedding which is really nice. cool. So I always told my <laughs> wife, I want, "I want to be done with my first company before we get married," and, uh-huh. you know, and uh, and I proposed as the deal was looming, and we got married a week later, mm. and that was done. Mm. So, how long have you been married now, dude? We've been married for ten years.
0: Oh, congratulations!
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> August will be yeah
0: ten years, man. Uh-huh that's that's impressive i mean i mean, that's a, that's a whole other how to keep a marriage going that's another podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of stuff in me. Yeah, i gotta start <laughs> so 10 years ago was your your when you got married in your second acquisition
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the the company you run now is called avenues correct avenue yep avenue uh
1: yep.
0: is have you been running that for the last 10 years or was there something in between?
1: No, so there, after, after Peanut Labs got acquired, I went with the acquiring company um, for a few years to help them integrate, you know, the technology because they really bought us for our technology. They had this really cool business um, that targeted a different space, but uh, doing the same thing that we did. And we had figured out how to, like... <clears throat> build technology that was really powerful and and had massive scale so they they wanted us to integrate that into their business and help them grow so luckily i was able to do that and get them a 5x 5x revenue growth by the time i left between when they acquired and when i left about five years later Mm. that sounds uh, like that was was your
0: first job is is that the first time you worked for somebody else
1: Um, it was it was so weird for me I, I the way that the acquisition worked they wanted to keep us as a separate unit it would say hey you know we want to shoot for this kind of numbers um, like this kind of revenue mar- you know uh, revenue numbers profit margin etc and I would just figure out how to do it
0: so you you were that you were with them for a few few years and and then you started avenue
1: and yeah then I got the bug again and I wanted to start the avenue with another Williams, uh, friend of mine. So
0: the focus, the, the, the building and the selling, you know, you're, you're running a company now that I kind of want to get into, but there, there are a lot of people that I, I'm sure you and I both meet in tech that would love to replicate the type of, uh, success that you've had, you know, what, what is, what is some of your, what is are some of your key lessons about like starting a company or a tech company, mm-hmm. what are some things people should keep in mind?
1: Yeah, that's um, so. Uh, I'll, I'll just give the top two or three things that I run into the most. Um, and I, I've done a lot of angel investing as well, so um, I've seen a lot of companies, you know, start and do their thing. Uh, probably the one key thing that people often miss is when you're starting a business they, people always think okay i'm gonna have the idea then i'm gonna raise money i'm gonna make it happen no <laughs> it rarely <laughs> happens that way um especially uh and this this one is interesting especially when you know especially when you're black to be frank um it's more pronounced uh, but it's you know that's not the only time uh, i think you know, uh, when your network, when you're black, you tend to not have a strong enough network of people who just have money. Like I know a couple of friends who went to school and because of where they went to school, who they know, they were able to get their startups funded uh, much faster than I could have, right? Like long story short, find traction first right find a way to prove that people want your stuff and when you go to a VC that's the first thing they're going to want to find out is how do you know that people actually want to use this thing Uh, and it's a number it's like numbers that are going up into the right right whether it's your daily users or your revenue numbers or something Mm -hmm. um, that is super super critical Second thing is um, find a co-founder of people you want to work with who have the same passion as you do for building what you want to build, and who will throw in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, for the first you know until you get funding. Um, and then the third thing <laughs> to remember is if you do get funding, that's not the that's actually when the real work starts. (laughs) It's that you do all this work to be able to prove yourself and, you know, get funded. But then, and then you think, oh, yeah, like now I'm funded. I can breathe. No, 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 no. I had a a really, uh, uh, an advisor tell me this, like, you know, we're dealing with, you know, conflicts at work and we're trying to grow. And he's like, when you solve this conflict, and you, you know, um, when you make the amount of revenue goals that you're shooting for, what do you think is going to happen? No more conflicts? No, you're going to get more conflict, <laughs> right? When you get more people joining you, your company and more uh, clients, more customers, you just have to get more efficient at going through and moving through conflict and solving problems and so on and that's that's the paradox of of finding success right finding success you know one of the things i noticed is you know when my first company got acquired i realized oh i got some money what am i going to do with that money <laughs> and that's another thing you you get to solve for and um and so on it's the same when you're building a company you you get a bunch of people and now you have responsibility you don't want you know, you are now responsible for their paycheck to make sure that they are, you know, they get paid every every month, right? So now you got to think about that, and so it's just a, a a series of escalating responsibility, right? And if you think about it that way, um, and it gets you excited, okay, go do it. Um, if that that sense of responsibility, you know, scares you, then you know maybe not a good idea
0: <laughs> yeah we we don't we don't have a too we don't have too much time longer um i do want to ask you about a little about avenues and and yeah. what the vision is now because you you mentioned being able to learn and then teach people back home i, mm-hmm. I, I know you're active uh you just mentioned you're an active angel investor um share a little about what avenues is
1: yeah so avenue uh really our our mission is to help organizations improve their culture uh, we do that by helping individuals tell their stories and uh and have their colleagues learn from them and then we provide analytics to help you know uh h r in particular understand the trends that are happening within their org within their culture and and use our tools to navigate and improve it in the way that they want. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that that's, we've seen a, a lot of incredible growth since we started it, the journey, the journey is, is ongoing to say the least, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, but it's been a fun, it's, a, it's been a learning experience. It's mm-hmm. all my, all my startups
0: have been. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've been building avenues. That's, that sounds like that's your, your focus. But um, yeah. what is what is the vision? Like, what,
1: what, where do you where does this end? So for Avenue, yeah, I mean, we want to build. Um, you know, we got to about a hundred customers. Uh, a lot of our customers are enterprise customers, so think companies like Google and uh, Kaiser Permanente and Liberty Mutual and so on. Um, we we want to just keep perfecting the the science behind um you know helping people uncover uh, um, the best version of themselves right uh so that that's that's really the vision I, I I never set out to build a company to be acquired even though it may look that way that you know but I would do it but I always set out to build a business that can stand on its own two legs and grow and and maybe you know, get to IPO and then if someone along the way shows up and says, hey, this can add, you know, if we join forces, we can be more impactful. Um then yeah, okay, then uh acquisition can happen. Does that make sense? Um and and for me personally, look, I I really just want to, yeah, like I said, I, I'd love to figure out how um how the pros do it. It in and build businesses and build products that make an impact. And um, from a technology, I mean, technology is is eating the world. So uh, I'm really passionate about how technology can change change how we live and how technology can improve lives, um, especially for. Nigeria and um, I'm really passionate about helping helping people gather the education they need to be able to you know make that impact.
0: We have um, I have I have a few last rapid fire questions. Yeah, you ready?
1: Let's do it. All right. <laughs> do you meditate to meditate? Uh, yes, once in a while, not as often as I as as I'd like to but I I do find that it's a a great uh, way to calm and focus.
0: What was your worst moment
1: in business? A lot of those. Probably when um, I got sued. Uh, But uh, but we're not gonna get into that one because it's uh, it's, uh, still a little bit of matter. But uh, yeah, that, that happened.
0: What personal weakness can you
1: forgive in someone? Humanity. Um, I think you know a lot of the times in the in the process of trying to achieve uh, our goals or trying to just exist, <laughs> we, you know, we might wrong each other um and if you've ever been married, you know what that's like if you've ever actually hired people or tried to build a team, you know what that's like and you know, just trying to go about your business and do what you want to do, you're gonna step on some toes, um, and uh, that can happen in so many different ways. So uh, I've learned to realize that you know when people wrong me, it's not because they're evil; it's because they're human, right? Um, and when I wrong others, it's I don't have to beat myself up about it i can learn from it but it's happening because i'm human not because i'm evil do you have a motto if i can make myself better through whatever experience that i'm going through whether it's building company whether it's you know dealing with a challenging situation i'm either winning or i'm learning right there is no experience that's a waste Mm -hmm. um so yeah, you think about that for a second, you can apply it to so many aspects of life. You can only either win or learn. Um, and you can get really far with that kind of mindset.
0: Last and final question. Who's going to win the presidential election?
1: <laughs> um, who's going to win? <laughs> Jeez. Um I'm a little concerned. Um, it's quite possible that Trump might take it, and right now it may not seem like it. But uh, you know, the polls look the same way back then that they do now. So <laughs> you never know. Um, so we we have to be vigilant um, as a, as as a people. We have to not take for granted that oh yeah, the polls are saying he's behind. Therefore, he's probably going to lose. My pocketbook doesn't doesn't want it because I know you know Biden is going to tax the crap out of me. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Biden should win. Got like that. You got that income bracket problem. <laughs> <laughs> I I am definitely not Republican. <laughs> That's right, that, and that that
0: statement. Uh, I would like to thank the good brother Prosper for sharing his journey, uh, the lessons he's learned and, uh, the, you know, the impact he wants to have. It's a pleasure having an opportunity to be with him. I always learn something when we talk. Uh, sure. Prosper is really on social media. You can't really get a hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> but if you liked what you heard here, you want to hear more about people like from people like him, please, uh, you know, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like it, share it, uh, make comments. And the good brother, Pasper, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. Prosper story of humble beginnings in Nigeria to find success uh, in the tech sector was deeply inspiring to me. Having gotten to know him over the years, I know he's a humble man. He's focused mostly on his family, on improving his community and running strong companies. But he's always been a great example of just getting it done. And I deeply appreciate our friendship and for him sharing his insights. If you enjoyed the discussion, please share the podcast with a friend. Help us grow this community of doers. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Take a second to rate and review it also. It's all quick. It's all free. And it really helps us grow our audience. Cook on Monday Morning is a product of the Luther Harris Holding Company. It's a boutique consulting practice that focuses on providing strategic partnerships between business and government, recruiting diversity, talent leadership roles, and helping leaders drive impact within their organizations. To learn more, you can email me, info at We also have merchandise on the way. It's a great way to support our message of peace, productivity, love, and of course, making the decision to own Monday morning. Uh, we are trying to create the type of intention to improve ourselves and our communities, be the first to purchase the merchandise by subscribing to our newsletter at stevancook.com. We're going to start by releasing only a a limited amount of pieces. Uh, They will sell out. You're good if you already subscribe. If you don't subscribe, uh, do so today. Finally, I'd like to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for supporting this work. And I'd like to thank the people that make this podcast possible. Our videographer, David Topete and our copy editor, the guy who edits our newsletters, Fernando and Cinco Marquez. Now, for me, I get up every Monday morning with the intention to create value and showcase love to the people that keep our cities moving. They are our teachers, school lunch workers, custodians, social workers, firefighters, police officers, EMT workers, and garbage collectors. They are our bus drivers and nurses. They are our employers, the folks creating jobs and keeping our economy moving. And they are our gig workers, the folks stocking our shelves, driving our ride shares, delivering our food to all of you. This podcast is for you. You live in places like San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, Antioch, San Mateo, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Miami, the Carolinas, Virginia Beach, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Detroit, Harlem. Shout out to our listeners also who are in Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, Kenya, and Ethiopia. To all of you, this podcast is for you. This message is touching the world and will continue to because of you until we meet again. Peace, peace, and we out.